This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as people join with us online as well. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this morning. I uh, hope you're enjoying your summer. This has been about one of the most amazing springs and summers I've ever remembered in Wisconsin. One can only wonder what happens in the winter, <laughs> what new path will be blazed at that time. But anyway, so glad that you're here enjoying your summer. Um, I'd uh, like to uh, talk about our offering. We don't hand uh, baskets around anymore. What we do is uh, there will be people at the doors uh, with buckets, and you can uh, give your check or cash at that time on the way out. And though many people give online, you can do that, uh, recurrent giving, which is helpful to the church. And then others use their phones where they can uh, give on the app that way as well. So however you decide to give, uh, thank you for giving and uh, it's very helpful to the church, but it's also very helpful to you. Uh, Jesus said, give, and it will be given to you. And Paul in the New Testament said, the measure that you give will be the measure that will be given back to you. A lot of people, their blessings come in little tiny spurts. <laughs> I said, why is that? Probably because your offering is about that size. <laughs> so be generous. No one's saying wreck your financial life, but be generous, and God will be generous to you. That's how it works. I know a lot of people pray they'll win the lottery first, and then they'll give, but it doesn't work that way. It's a good thing God doesn't answer everybody's prayers <laughs> the way they want it to, right? Because if we've done that, everybody would have won the lottery by now, and everybody would be on a desert island somewhere and in church. Anyway, so uh, give and be generous. Um, as you know, over the last, I don't know, 10 years or so at Celebration Church, we've taken a different path uh, from traditional evangelical church, where we have started to just embrace some elements of sacramental Christianity, ancient versus uh, communion with the present today, stuff from the ancient church going way back to the first 300 years of, of Christianity. Uh, so we've been blending that along with uh, the evangelical teachings and also with 
charismatic encouragement of experiencing God in the Holy Spirit, all of it blending together. We did this just because just felt impressed by God to do it. It was on our hearts to do it. I didn't know if anybody else was doing it. I thought, you know, I'm a little weird anyway, so being unusual is nothing unusual. Uh, but then I started finding out that there were churches all over the country, literally around the world, that are doing this. And it's not organized. It's just happening on its own, or I would say by the Holy Spirit doing this. And, uh, and then I found out a year ago there was a name for it. They call it Convergent Churches. <laughs> So apparently it's popping up. They gave us a name. Uh, people are talking about it. And over the, this year, I've been reaching out and connecting with other pastors and, and other churches that are doing this. And uh, I've been having so much fun doing this. It, it honestly has been probably the most meaningful spiritual experience I've had as a pastor in my life, connecting with these guys. And it's just, it's just been wonderful and talking and sharing. I've been bringing in some of them in, as you've known, sharing with us as we're getting together and, and, and connecting in whatever way. So I had uh, connected by someone from uh, Tip City, Ohio, which I have no idea where that is, but it's in Tip City. And uh, uh, we were sort of talking and had this instant connection. I brought him to Green Bay, gave him lots of cheese curds the last couple of days, and, uh, and he's going to be sharing with us this morning. Would you please give a welcome to Pastor Jim Valekas? He's Greek. Valekas. Oh, dear me. Good morning, everybody. You guys are great. You guys really are great. I, I told the morning crowd this, too. You have, you've made me repent. I, um, I, I'm a pastor of a uh, microchurch. And so, like, I have forever secretly been envious of mega churches and so when you're envious of something, you always try to find something that's wrong with them. It's just like plain human nature. Doggone it, guys. I can't find out anything wrong about you. So I want you to give yourselves a round of applause. <laughs> you guys have got a pastor that is a piece of work, too. This is like um, little, little did I know. Let, let me, here, here's what I did, okay? And I tell the morning crowd about this, too. Like, okay, so we've, we've started this new church plant, uh, and we're just a little group, but we had people that were like Catholics. They were like, I'm Greek Orthodox or was Greek Orthodox when I was a little boy and evangelical. I don't like to say Protestants because all Protestants do is protest against each other. And so I just don't like that word. But, um, but then anyway, so we've started this convergent church and it's kind of, you know, we're, we're beginning and it's, we, we don't call it convergent. We call it connection. And what we do is we take the letter X and make that the part of the connection. That's the cross turned sideways. But Jesus is like the great connector, you know, kind of thing. So anyway, um, so we started this. And then I was at a Bible study one night and some lady in my church, a really beloved lady in our church, said, hey, Pastor Jim, there's this guy named Mark Gung Gungor. She goes, Gungor. That's a name, isn't it? Gungor. It sounds like Ragnarok or something like that, like or Norwegian scary TV show. Okay, all right. Uh, anyway, um, he said that there's this guy out there that is doing the same thing, and he wants to connect with people that are doing convergent churches. So uh, we've been on a journey where we're like figuring, like whatever God throws out there, we're gonna you know follow up on and everything. And I talked to this guy, and there was a really kind of cool connection. You know, we we connected, and then after maybe like, and it's not like one of these epic. You know, I prayed, fasted, meditated, and studied before I called him up. I just called him right before I went into the gym, and and we talked. And actually. We talked longer than I wanted to because I wanted to go work out. But anyway, <laughs> no, not really. I enjoyed every minute of talking with him. But there was this connection, and he invited us out. And um, it's changing my 
point of view. Uh, because here's the deal, here's the deal. One, you guys are the real deal. You guys really are the real deal. And, and number two, let me tell you a little bit about my background. Uh, like I said, I was born in Alabama with a bouzouki on my knee, okay? That means I was born as a Greek Christian in uh, deep southern fried Birmingham, Alabama. And um, it was a beautiful culture. It was a big fat Greek wedding culture. Anybody seen my big fat Greek wedding culture? Yes, okay, all right. I now know what to do with the Windex. I'm going to spray it on Mark and see what happens. <laughs> no, 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 no. But it's, um, it was a wonderful culture. It was a wonderful thing. But when I got to be, all right, I was, when I was a little boy, it brought me to Jesus, okay? I used to, I used to stand before the icons and pray every night. You guys pray the Lord's Prayer. There was something powerful about saying the same prayer over and over again because it embeds things in you. It kind of gets from that like frontal lobe part of your brain into your limbic system or something. And I used to do it in Greek. And I didn't even know. <laughs> And I, never, I didn't even know what it meant. I really did not even know what it meant. And, and I, I went to a Greek church where they, they would speak in Greek the entire time. And it was always, you know, the sing-song chant, you know, kind of thing. And then there would be, like, the point where they would pray for the president. So that was the only words I understood at church. They would Lyndon B. Johnson, you know, kind of thing. And so I got a word, I got a word, I got a word that I understood at church that day. But when I got to be a teenage kid. Um, I don't know if some of you kids have discovered this or not, but kids can be cruel. It's a rough world out there. And we were like little immigrant kids living in a blue-collar Birmingham neighborhood and everything. And uh, I got to being scared that there wasn't a God. Because if there wasn't a God out there, dear me, it's a scary place to be in this world. So anyway... I went to the church, and because they were so wrapped up in their culture, and, and just keep that word in mind, culture, operating word, culture, that they weren't in a position to really bring me understanding about how that there was a God. And then I wrote for these booklets, one of them was called The Proof of the Bible, and one of them was called Does God Exist? And, 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 and this organization sent me these booklets, and I opened up my Bible and started studying things, and they were, I, I, did, I, I, I learned incorrect doctrine. This group that I was tracking with was known because of their doctrinal choices as a cult, and again, keep that word in mind, cult, culture. So, but, let me tell you something. It got my nose in the Bible. And how many have had this experience to where, like, it's gone from just words to where, like, the God of all the universe is speaking to you personally? when you open the Bible. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? That's fantastic. And, and if you haven't discovered that yet, let, let me give you two, you know, like they broke the sound barrier and that was a big deal back in the day. Let me give you two barriers to strive to break as a Christian. The prayer barrier to where like your prayer goes from like, you know, now I lay me down to sleep, you know, the guy I work with is a creep, you know, this kind of thing, or, or like, you know, <laughs> to where you go like from like, you, you know, just those kind of prayers to where like you're really talking to God. And then the, the word barrier, 
where you let the written words come into your heart through the spirit of the living word, and he begins to speak to you. So I felt God. I felt God, and they gave me God, and they also gave me a lot of bad doctrine along the way, and the, the group reformed, bless their hearts, but uh, the, long story, the long and short story of it was they said that we were in a cult, so cult has been a big deal word for me. So then we're plunged into the evangelical world, and I'm out there you know, wanting to bring people to Christ and figuring out how to do it, and almost intuitively, this concept, not of convergence, but of connection came to mind. Because, because here's the deal, okay? And, and, I, and I really do have scriptures. I'm gonna get into scriptures here in a minute. But here's the deal. All right, we all know God is what? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We know that. And he's three, and he's one. So primal life, life, you know, God is the only thing that exists on its own, on his own. He just is. And all life comes out of him. So if he is a primal connection, all of life is connected because he made a life that is like him. We're, we're all interconnected. And you ever try to figure out why bad things happen to good people? It's because we're all interconnected. And because of that, some of the bad that somebody else is doing does impact us. But there's a beautiful thing. There's a beautiful connection I've discovered that has helped me from being what I call a Christian in a cult, just wrapped up in a culture and a Christian in Christ. And that's, isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Yes. And that's a truth because I'm going to read you a scripture about how they used to preach it back in the day, not just the early church fathers, but like the apostle Paul. And I want to give you a new way of looking at yourself in Christ so that all of us Christians can no longer just be Christians in our particular culture, but Christians in Christ that can converge and bring cultures together. Okay, I need to pray before I go any further, so will you guys pray with me and pray for me and whatever needs to be prayed for? Here we go. Father in heaven, I thank you so much, God, for the chance to speak to your people. I, I feel so blessed to be up here today, great God, and I feel excited about your word, and I just pray that you, you use me, great God, that you take over whatever is going on up in here and that you use these words and that you bless this wonderful group of people, great God, to continue to converge and grow and connect because they've taught me a few things about what, how we can obviate the cultures, how we can get over the culture and really become a movement again. So bless this day, bless the, bless the, the words that I say, bless them the way that I say it, and uh, we pray this in Christ's holy name, amen. Okay, so, because here's what I'm beginning to learn. Here's what you taught me this year. Maybe the answer is not so much as to look at a particular culture, like whether it's a big church or a small church or in any church, and, you know, find something critical about it as much as it is for us all to become one again. Orthodox, Catholic, evangelical, real life, Christians. And the way we can do it, guys, and I have found the biblical secret, is it because we all exist in Christ. I want to bring your attention to the first scripture that I've got here. It's Colossians 3 and verse 1. And I want you to think, when I talk about in, okay, I want you to think about in, not being like I'm somebody that believes in Christ, but I want you to think about where you exist. If like, you know, before God, there was no thing, there was nothing, and God was just it, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and everything that exists, exists somehow in God and in Christ. 
And I want you to try to start wrapping your mind around that because you are closer to God than you realize. And everything the Son has is already yours because of who you are in Christ. Listen to this scripture. Since you, now catch this, you have been raised with Christ. Not you will be raised. Not you will be resurrected. But since you have been Raised in Christ, set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. That doesn't mean earthly things are wrong, but just, just get the order right. Set your mind on things above. Get your daily criteria, your daily schedule. Check in with the big guy. Set your mind on things above. And don't say you don't have time to pray. You don't have time not to pray. You don't want to waste your day. Martin Luther used to say, I have so much to do, I need to pray three hours a day. Just step out on faith. Just do it. No matter what you've got to do. Set your mind on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Because catch this, okay? You who are living and breathing and can pinch yourself and still feel your flesh, you died. You died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. There's a scripture that I'm gonna read you in a few minutes and it's in Acts 17 and the apostle Paul says, in him we live and we move and have our being. So where do you live? You live in God. Where do you live in God? You're not just floating around in the Trinity, you know, just trying to find a place to lodge. You live in Christ, in God. And you were created there before the foundation of the world. And God decided before the foundation of the world, whoever you are, that you were going to exist and that you were going to be holy and blameless in his sight. So I'm here to tell you today, guys, good news. You're holy. You're blameless. You're forgiven in his sight. He deserves a big round of applause for that, so please give him one, and I'm very serious about that. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God, and when Christ, who is your life, appears, do you realize you haven't met you yet? That sounds goofy, but you really haven't. Because I really think what happened, and this is the way that I'm looking at it these days, and I don't have it perfectly yet. I'm studying with a guy named Jeffrey McSwain who's teaching me a lot about the way that Carl Barth looked at the scriptures, and that's really about the ways that the early church looked at the scriptures. But in Genesis chapter 1, when it says God created us in his image, have you ever heard the phrase that Christ is the image of God, and that Christ is the firstborn of all creation, and that in Christ all things consist? and in Christ all things subsist. Their thinking is is that something in Genesis 1 had to do with Christ becoming, and this is going to sound weird, and so if it's too much, Mark, you can just glare at me or something if I'm going to out there. But like, I want you to think of God of all the universe making a place in the space in the Trinity for us to exist. Just like your daughter's got a place in a space where that baby is existing right now inside of her, God made this place in the space in some kind of pre-incarnation something in Jesus Christ from before the foundation of the world. And the real you was created then, 
the you that I see kind of messed up, but what Daddy Adam did is kind of like the false self, but the real you has not gone away in Jesus. You're going to meet you when he comes, and you're going to be so happy, and you're going to even welcome the judgment day, because at the judgment day, anything that's not of the real you is going to be melted away, and then you're going to go into that unadulterated place with God and Things are going to be cooking with gas, and it's going to be amazing. Let me show you how the Apostle Paul preached this, and I want you to go with me to Acts chapter 17, and I think they've got it up here, and um, I'm just going to read it to you. Apostle Paul is a cool guy. I really like him. He, he had the courage to go to the Greeks, and I know the Greeks are crazy because I am one of them, and uh, I'll never forget my mother, bless her heart. She was a dyed-in-the-wool Greek, uh, street-on-the-feet peasant lady, and I had become an evangelical church pastor. And I was trying to, like, I, I just felt like I needed to bring mom through the prayer of salvation. And she was already saved, but I didn't really realize that. But she, she was tolerant of me, her son. And I can remember, this is real funny, standing in a circle with mama. My brother's right here, and mama's right here. And I'm going, I say, okay, mama, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord? She goes, yes, I have, Jimmy. Okay, have you accepted him as your Savior? Yes, I have, Jimmy. And so then I start praying, and now God, now that she's accepted God as her Savior and Jesus Christ as your Lord, she interrupts me, she goes, and while you're at it, tell him, tell him to make my back feel better because it hurts so bad right now. <laughs> it sort of spoiled the moment. But, uh, but I realized that I was doing something I didn't need to do because mama was already in Christ, in God. And God had connected to her in the context of her culture. And instead of me having to bring her Christ, all I had to do is go in there and figure out where Christ was and start building on top of that. And I want you to think about the ramifications of that too because that means that there are people out there that you think there's no way they can be in Christ and Christ might already be there. And the good stuff that's coming out of them is coming out of them because somehow they've hooked into the free God Wi-Fi, the Holy Spirit, and all you gotta do is find out where Christ is and build on there. But anyway, listen to this. So he goes... Paul is waiting in Athens. He's greatly distressed because the city is full of idols. He reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day for those who happened to be here. There, a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. And some of them said, what is this babbler? Babbler is a cool phrase, by the way, in the Greek. Um, it, it, the actual word literally means seed picker. It's like somebody that picks up scraps of knowledge and then uses them like they know what they're talking about. And um, I have been guilty of that. So, you know, anyway, it's just a fun phrase. So he goes, what is this babbler trying to say? Because what Paul did, though, was seed pick. He picked up scraps of the Epicurean knowledge. He picked up scraps of the Stoic. He learned how to speak other people's language. I think sometimes we make the gift of tongues more about just charismatic speaking or angel language than learning how to speak somebody else's language and praying for inspiration so that we can teach them things about God, going into their culture and, and, and learning how to break out of our own cults. You know, the, the, the my way, it has to be this way. I remember when we first got married, I thought to myself, you know, my wife, things are going to work out really well with her when she finally starts thinking like a man. And then, you know, it's going to all get better. And, and then I realized that this is not what God wanted to be, you know, kind of thing. It's learning about how to speak in each other's language and praying for inspiration every day. How to speak in the language of your son, how to speak in the language of your friend, 
how to speak in the language of the world to which we have been sent. So anyway, so he's speaking their language. And they said, well, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. And then they said, this is because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection, that there was a guy who lived and came and died and came back to life, that death is not final. I worked at hospice in an interlude period of my life. And I'm telling you guys, death is not final. It's a thin space when people are dying and going to heaven. And I came to look at that job, not as just a place where I was just seeing the end of somebody, but earth was going through the birth pangs. And you got to be a midwife as they got going to heaven. It was a beautiful kind of thing. Anyway, you're bringing some strange ideas to our ears, so we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus. He wasn't scared. He got in there. And he said, people of Athens, I'm going to make you read every phrase of the Bible, and I'm going to start with Genesis chapter 1. No. He didn't even mention the Bible. He started speaking in their language. I can see that in every way that you're very religious. He didn't even insult them. He said, oh, yeah, this is cool about you guys. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, not as I walked around and looked at your heathen pagan things, but as I walked around and looked at your objects of worship, I even found this with an inscription, to an unknown God. So whom you are ignorant of, the things you worship, this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. And I want you to catch the significance of that. Have you ever used the thing that you shouldn't, heard the concept you shouldn't use something pagan because God doesn't want you to use pagan things to worship him? God's using a pagan idol to start preaching God. And he's telling, I'm going to tell you about the unknown God. He started speaking their language. And so then he said, this is, this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is Lord of heaven and earth. And that's really cool in the Greek because he's saying that even though even though you don't see it, there's this under being, God that's under you. Like even though you don't see, you ever heard that phrase, you live by every word of the mouth of God? I've come to believe now that doesn't just mean I live by every word of the Bible, which I try to do. But God is commanding my existence on a second by second basis. I live because God is making me right now. He's under me. I can't get away from him. He's the ultimate Hotel California. You can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. He's always there. But anyway, he goes, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything, but rather he gives everyone life and breath and everything else. He loves us. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far away from any of us. And I think that applies personally to you. You didn't screw up when you were 20. You might have thought that you screwed up and messed up God's plan. You were always within the context of God's plan. And your decisions that you made weren't as a big a deal as you think they were. Because God has set out your time and your place for you to be exactly where you are today and for you to start stepping into the work he has for you as the image of God that you're supposed to be. And he, and he wants you... And it says like this, that he, that they, so that they may feel from him. And the Greek says that they may reach out and grope for him. And I told the people in the morning church about this guy that was a recovering alcoholic. And he was dry now for the first time in years. 
but he was just flat. There was nothing going on. He didn't know what was out there. He would go to bed at night, and a lot of time he couldn't sleep. But all he would do is he'd just lay in bed with his arms straight out like that, just reaching, feeling, where are you, where are you, where are you? And God reached back. See, God wants us to get to that point where we reach him. But here's the good news. He's not far from any of us. Because it says, for in him we live and we move and we have our being. And he, and some of the posts have said, you are his offspring. So think about the significance of that. You live in Jesus. He made you. You're in a place and space in God that is in Jesus Christ. And I want you to consider the significance of that. When he became flesh and rebooted humanity, who was there with him? You. When he became flesh and was tempted in every way, but was without sin and learned how to overcome sin, who was with him? You. When he went into the cross and suffered, and not only suffered, bore our sins, but became our sin, who was there with him on the cross? You. And in him, you died. And in him, every one of your sins are completely paid for. And you can be so completely secure in your salvation in him that you can actually look at yourself and see where your false self is doing this or that and learn how to confess. I say, oh, yeah, God. Confess, Greek word, homo, same, logia, word. Yeah, God, I say the same word as you do about that. And when you confess, it sets you free. You're in Christ. Listen to, your, listen to the, the perks you've got. I've got to go fast here because I've I, um, uh, got a time frame here. But listen to this. In the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. When you get out of focus, when you step out of the God zone, and then, and then you're starting to like blur and get distinct and you've done something and you're terribly embarrassed about it, confess it. It's okay. And just get back into focus. And then God can use you in the very next second without months and years of penance and fasting to do some amazing good. Just get back into focus. Um, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ. Christ is in heaven right now, lodged permanently in the Father with you inside of him. When he died, you died. When he went to the cross, you went to the cross. When he rose, you rose. When he ascended, you ascended. When he went to the right hand of the Father, you went to the right hand of the Father. How close to God is that? Give him a round of applause. Give him a round of applause for that. You're not far away. And, and, and it says, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation, including you, can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. He loves you more than you love you. So when you give up on you, big deal. He's not. And, 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 and it goes on different kinds of ways. In Christ, we, though many, form one body and there's different, I'll read this one to you real fast because I just want you to have it in your brain here. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us, who has blessed you, blessed you, blessed you with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. To quote, I know you guys won't know this because you guys are too young. Y'all are the young crowd, the 
the, the old crowd comes in and they get up early. You guys get up late. I know you guys had fun last night. I know you guys did. Okay. All right. But, 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 but like there's a movie called Anti-Mame and Rosalind Russell once said, life is a banquet and most poor suckers are starving to death. And you've got more life at your disposal in Christ than you realize. And so, so, so here's, here's another thing that I want to give you as a, as a thing. It says, I am crucified with Christ, yet now I live. But not me, but the life I am living is in the, is, is in the faith in the Son of God. That's what your translation says, but the Greek translation says, the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Have you ever felt that you don't have enough faith to do this or to do that? If you ever felt that way, you are absolutely right, but Christ does. And you have access to the faith of the Son of God. And let me give you one more thing, and this is how this like converged thing comes all into it. Galatians 3 and verse 28, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, there's neither Catholic, Orthodox, Protestant, Pentecostal, First Baptist, Second Baptist, Third Baptist, however many alphabets there are of the Baptist. And I, and I looked up funny church names because I knew that he's a funny guy, so I had to do something funny. There's actually a church called the Battleground Baptist Church. Can you imagine that? There's the Waterproof Baptist Church. There literally is a Waterproof Baptist Church. And the question that the internet thing says, does the baptism count if you're water repellent? And then it says, there's the, <laughs> there's the Country Club Church. Uh, but it also added you're actually likely to find some of those in every city. My favorite one was the James Bond United Community Church in Toronto, which is, of course, shaken, not stirred. Okay. <laughs> and there's the Little Hope Baptist Church, and go figure that one right there. But listen to this. Listen to this. All of us convergent people, okay? Because I think there's something in this. I don't think this is now about criticizing cultures, but converging our cultures in the ancient and modern faith. And I think something's supposed to happen with this that's just bigger than just us being grassroots people. I think it's time to put a superstructure up under what God is doing and see if we can spread it. Because what you guys are doing is great. I'm gonna take home some of this stuff. I wanna take, bring my church out here to visit you, you know. And, and that, they would fit, by the way. <laughs> but, uh, I wanna become a little sister church, <laughs> yeah. Okay, but listen to this. Because there's neither Jew nor Gentile, nor slave, nor free. There's neither male nor female because you are all one. Say this with me. We are all one. We are all one. Say it with conviction. We are all one. We are all one. We are all one. We are all one. And I'll repeat this phrase after I say it. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Guys, we've got a great future God has started something rocking and rolling. We've got a lot of fun. God bless you all. You've been a great audience. Give yourself a round of applause and thank you for letting me spend some time with you. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Jim. Good word. I love that. This isn't about criticizing different parts of Christian expression. It's about bringing it all together is one. Powerful stuff. Uh, we're going to uh, have our ushers come and get ready to serve communion this morning as we turn our attention to this thing that we do as one. Christians all over the world today are doing this 
as we gather at the Lord's table and we reflect on what Jesus did for us. He died on that cross. His body was broken so that we could be made whole. His his blood was shed so we could have forgiveness of our sins. And the Bible says whenever we do this, before doing it, we should pause and reflect and examine ourselves. So let's bow our heads as I pray a prayer of forgiveness over all of us. And if you have anything you need to confess to God, now is the time to do it before we take communion together. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning and in obedience to the scriptures, we pause now to examine ourselves. If we sinned against you in any way, something that we've done, something that we should have done and we didn't do, or we haven't loved you with our whole heart, maybe haven't loved our neighbors as ourselves, we pray for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins to have mercy on us and to forgive us of all of our sins. And as our heads are still bowed, if you're new to faith, maybe you've never truly experienced God's saving grace in your life, I want to encourage you right now, quietly in your own words, just ask Jesus to come into your life and invite him to forgive you of your sins.